save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by Game Time. That's right, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the Rangers tickets prices? They tend to drop right before the game starts. You probably knew that already. I mean, you listen to this podcast every week. Talk about game time all the time. Game time tracks prices in real time for thousands of trusted sellers. That shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the game time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. If you want to see the Rangers play the Red Wings this Wednesday night on a right, an original six matchup, you can download the Game Time app now. You can go do that at the App Store or the Play Store and get your awesome deals on last-minute tickets. All right, here's Mark Messier. No guests today, just me and Greg. Let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, also The Athletic. I'm on three hours sleep. Gregory, how many hours sleep are you on? Uh, Normal nights. A normal night's sleep. A normal Greg, Greggy night. I slept on JetBlue, and I got to tell you, while JetBlue is a wonderful experience and not a sponsor of this podcast, sleeping on a plane, not optimal. Just going to throw it out there. You know what else is not optimal? The Rangers play versus Ottawa tonight, as we are recording at the uh, intermission between the second and third period. We decided to record a little early. Can you guess why, Gregory? Uh, they're getting shithoused. That is true. Uh, there is, I think tonight's Ottawa game changed my entire narrative of how this podcast was going to be constructed. And I was going to come to this podcast kind of guns a-blazing, defending David Quinn. And the reason for that is because there was a lot of people since the last time we recorded that were coming out and saying, you know, we have to get rid of this guy. We, You had a giant rant uh, with the classic line, and then fucking what, I believe, was said if we did fire David Quinn. And I just watched this team play Nashville and play Tampa Bay hard. I know Tampa Bay's a shit show right now. You don't have to explain that to me. But at that point in time, it's important to give David Quinn credit because 
after his team got absolutely manhandled and destroyed by Boston, the team totally rallied, played very hard hockey against Tampa, and played a complete game against Nashville. Maybe they didn't deserve to win, but they did. And on top of that, they well, I mean, I guess in conclusion, they come out against Ottawa, and maybe they think, well, hey, we played all these teams that were sort of in the upper echelon of NHL talent, and we've been playing well, and it was kind of a... Would you consider the Ottawa game a trap game? Can the Rangers even play down to an opponent at this point? Is that even possible? It's not a trap game. I just think we need to get out of the habit of evaluating Quinn in two-game periods. Like, it, yes, the last two games against the Lightning and Predators especially were encouraging, but just like it was ridiculous to be piling on David Quinn when things were going poorly, it's kind of equally ridiculous to be saying anything along the lines of, see, David Quinn is actually good after two encouraging games. So it's just the, the whole point of the rant wasn't so much being like people who want David Quinn fired are crazy or David Quinn is actually a good coach. So you guys need to get off his back. It, it was more along the lines of we're just reacting so much to such small sample sizes that we need to cool our fucking jets. And I think, this Ottawa game, if anything, serves as a great reminder that, again, just cool your jets. Like, the Rangers, gonna, the Rangers are young as hell. They're going to have games where they look really good and things are clicking. And then they're going to have games where Ottawa wants to basically shove their faces right in the, down the Rangers' throat. And the Rangers fell for the – it's not a trap game, but the Rangers fell for the trap. The Senators got the Rangers to play exactly how the Senators wanted them to play tonight. And the Rangers aren't going to win games that way. No hockey team's going to win the games that way. And it, it it's not like the Ottawa Senators are going to lose every single game they play this year. They've beaten some decent teams as well. So, you know, the Senators, like any other team, if they get you off your game and they get you to play the sloppy, scrappy style that's going to be successful for a team essentially comprised of AHL talent, you're going to struggle. A AHL talent? On the Ottawa Senators? Have you seen Peugeot? He's destroyed the Rangers for years. He's Wayne Gretzky, too. As as a New York Met fan, I've become... I, I, first of all, do you guys know that I'm a New York Met fan? Uh, can, you please ex can you please expand on that? I don't think anyone knows. There is a baseball team in mm -hmm. Queens Keep called going. the Mets. They play in New York. Got it. Uh, they're the first National League team in the city since the Dodgers and Giants left in right. the 1950s. Uh -huh. They have a new and manager. If those, they do. They do. Oh, we can get into that later. later but later, that's, later. that's neither here nor there. But what I was saying, as a New York Mets fan, I've become extremely like familiar with teams making superstars out of otherwise quad A talent. Guys who kill the Mets are, are people like JT Riddle. And that's basically what JG Pajot is. He's the hockey equivalent of JT Riddle, where he plays 29 other teams and he looks like a guy that's overmatched in this league. And then he comes up against New York Rangers, and he's freaking Connor McDavid. He's unbelievable against the Rangers. The four-goal game against uh, against us in the playoffs years ago still haunts me to this day. Just, I don't understand how that guy turned it on and got as hot as he did. I guess that's just sports. That's just what happens. So certain guys get hot in certain series, and Pajoa, I mean, this is like Jimmy Howard, right? When Jimmy Howard plays the Rangers, he's always... It's exactly like Jimmy Howard. That's exactly what it is. Standing on his head against the Rangers, no matter what happens. I don't know what it is. Uh, he sees the Rangers, and he just turns red. We, it, it, It's very easy to get lost in the weeds with how poorly the Rangers have played for very long stretches of the Senators game, but would be remiss. And 
some of, I, I guess the best place to start with is Georgiev because how many times this week did we hear people saying that Georgiev was outplaying Hank and we have the numbers to back up that he's not. It's, it's a weird combination of, and this isn't to say Georgiev has been playing poorly. He's made a, a handful of mistakes in the Senators game tonight, uh, two of which led directly to goals. And it's not great, but at the same time, he's a 23-year-old goaltender. I, I'm fine with him making a couple of mistakes in a season where I don't really have high expectations for the Rangers. It's it's all part of the process. But all week, it felt like our, our good friend Rick Carpinello said it in a piece on The Athletic, which you can get at a discount did by you, using code Did, did you know if you go to theathletic.com slash PSP right now, you can still get the 40% off if you sign up for the first That's right. time? That's right. Wow. But Unbelievable Rick, stuff, Rick. Rick, good friend of ours, said in the column that Georgiev outplayed Hank. Larry Brooks in his column says Georgiev outplayed Hank. He hasn't, though. And this isn't even a slight. It, it was frustrating to read because it's, it's it's hard to say he hasn't outplayed Hank without it coming off as, like, a slight to the kid. And it's not. He played incredibly well against the Lightning. He played a, exceptionally well against the Predators. He put up an egg against the Senators. Uh, uh, the, the Senators. But that's fine because, again, he's a kid. It's just... We need to be better, not even we, I mean, we, you and I are fine. I feel like the just relationship we have with non-traditional hockey stats or just non-traditional stats in general. It's just Georgiev, for whatever reason, one reason is, look, he hasn't had Mark Stahl in front of him for two of those games and the Rangers played better with Stahl removed from the defense. Two, the team simply just played better in front of Georgiev than Hank. And that's a thing the Rangers have done in front of all their backups for years. It's almost like it, it's the only thing I can compare it to. And I, I apologize, Ryan, to you, not to our listeners, but to you, because I know you get frustrated when I do this. The only thing I, want, I can... I almost I, want to guess. <laughs> do, do you want to try and guess? You know I'm comparing it to the Mets, I, but do you want to know I'm, what I'm going to try and compare it to? I'm aware of this. It is Jacob deGrom. It is. Yes. It is. Because the Mets just, the Mets don't hit when DeGrom's on the mound. And my theory has long been it's the Mets feel more comfortable, more confident that they don't need to worry about hitting as much because Jake is not is going to go put up a zero. And I feel like when the Rangers are playing in front of Hank, they're playing with a different mentality because they know at the end of the day, if they make a mistake, Hank's going to bail them out. Whereas with Georgiev, they they focus maybe even if it's just an infantile percentage more they're more focused in front of Georgiev because they're worried that their mistake will directly lead to a goal whereas when Hanks in goal their mistake they feel like he's a brick wall and he's just going to be able to bail them out it's a weird it's, mental lapse right because that's just not true i mean yes hank is right, an incredible right. goal no tenor. player no player is going to ever admit that they play less engaged defensively because they have a great goalie no one's ever going to admit that, but it, but it, it is, just, it, but it's it probably what it feels is like. true on some level. Mentally, you believe these things because you have this belief of this otherworldly legendary player who's going to save the day. You just trust that guy, whereas you're well, not, I, it just happens. I don't think I don't think it's so. I don't I don't want this misinterpreted. I don't think players are less engaged defensively when Hank's on the ice. What I do think is. Players are willing to take more chances when Hank's on the ice, right? They're playing a safer style in front of. I, again, I don't have the numbers to back this up, but it would be fascinating if someone much smarter than me that 
understands defensive style structures a lot better than me investigates this a little further. My guess would be when Hank's on the ice, you can you have more freedom to take chances because you know what's behind you. Whereas when it's Georgiev behind you, the play you would attempt to make with Hank on the ice, maybe you're not even thinking about it because you don't want to leave the young goalie out to dry. At the same time, at the same time, maybe at the end of the day, you know what it is, Ryan? It probably is just all coincidence, right? Because the defenders this year in front of Hank, with the exception of Shea, they just haven't been, I don't even consider Stall at this point. They just haven't been around Hank long enough, right? We've seen guys like Nick Holden, Kevin Klein, Dan Girardi, Ryan McDonough. We've seen waves and waves and waves of guys and defensive systems do this with Hank on the ice and then play differently with backups on the ice. So it's, it. I don't know, it's just interesting. It, it's, from where I sit, it, it does feel like, I'm sure there are other reasons why a team like the New York Mets don't score runs when Jacob DeGrom on the mound. One of the reasons usually is DeGrom's going up against another team's ace. So there's, it's just harder to score runs. That doesn't make sense though on, for, for Hank, you know? Right, no, it doesn't. But it's just like, there are probably very simple explanations for what happens. At the same time, at some point, it can't be coincidence anymore. There's almost too much evidence for it to just be coincidence that every time the Rangers put out, just like it's not, it, it, it is coincidence when the Rangers get shut down by backup goalies, right? It, it's not like the yeah. Rangers are trying. Is it? It's not like the Rangers. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's coincidence. It feels like just, a mental block, like just like the Jimmy Howard, just like the Peugeot where these black, these backup goalies are always destroying the Rangers, no matter what happens. I but don't it's not understand. like, it's not, it's not like the day the Rangers signed Artemi Panarin or the day the Rangers drafted Kapokako, they looked those two players in the eyes and said, congratulations, welcome to the New York Rangers. Oh, by the way, you're not going to score against backup goalies. Like, it's not in their contract. It just feels this like is, a team curse, very... no matter who's on it. I, I know everyone, sure. I know other people feel this way. Like, I know it's not true. Unlike my conspiracy theory about raising value of players, which is true. But this is totally isn't true. This is just something we all think. That that but, one's also not true. Well, I don't know. That about one's that. just one you eh, think. Not really David sure. Quinn doesn't give a shit what Reinstrom's trade value. <laughs> That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You need to understand. I I desperately need you to understand that. I'm never going to do the that. The head coach, the head coach doesn't give there a flying There is secret fuck. meetings behind closed doors where Gordon tells Quinn, you need to do this. I will go to my grave <laughs> one day. We'll all die. Um, might, might be today, but that's how you're doing. I really am uh, delirious at this point, but we're we're chugging through. Let's do a little segment I like to call the good and the bad. This is like what we like to do when we, uh, I guess, lose a little bit of content. And rather than – we've had a couple games to talk about, so let's go good and bad for Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll go through Tampa Bay, Nashville, Ottawa. Well, why don't we, why don't we just talk – general? Generally speaking. Yeah. Sure. Because we on – on the flagship show, we talked about it a little bit on BSBOT – We've gone what? How many minutes have we been recording this podcast? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? Uh, I'll tell you right now, Ish? Greggy. Yeah, 14. Yeah, tell me. Something like that. Yeah. We haven't talked about Mark Stahl being benched for three straight games. Yeah, I guess we can get that right off the bat. Uh, you sure. were absolutely, right off the bat, 14 minutes in, you were absolutely shocked at this uh, occurrence. You, you weren't? I was, I was actually, and I know this sounds crazy, I was kind of like, oh, that's nice, like finally. But I wasn't shocked. I know you were like, like totally blown away. Yeah, I just I didn't know what it was going to take, right? And Quinn Quinn used the magic word that we all love to hear, where he's 
He's trying to run this Rangers team as a meritocracy. Ooh, right? Man. Well, so how you, uh, how Randy did you get when he said that when you read that quote? I, I got I got uh, I got a little stiff in the pants. Absolutely. Um, but it, we've we've been asking for that, right? All we've been saying, his mantra is you get the playing time you earn, which is our main criticisms of David Quinn is if you're gonna play on that mantra and you're gonna claim that it's gonna be right down the middle for everyone on your roster then it's never made sense for a guy like Mark Stahl to basically go unchecked. And it, he got, he got checked. I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was shocking. I didn't think it would happen. It's, I really didn't. I thought the Rangers, and it's clear that they still value Mark Stahl as a locker room presence and a leader on this team. But it was, and I, I thought for those reasons specifically that he was going to live in the Rangers lineup every night all 82 games of the year, as long as he was healthy. But the fact of the matter, he was the worst Ranger defender. He wasn't playing well, and the kids were out playing him. So it it did it make all the sense in the world for him to sit? Absolutely. You really couldn't come up with a defensible reason to keep him in the lineup. At the same time, I just didn't, I really didn't think it would happen. I thought we'd have Mark Stahl forever. And I know the the... Here's the real bummer about this Ottawa game. Oh, uh, Quinn, you, don't, you Quinn, don't have to say it. Everyone knows what you're going to say. Yeah, well, Quinn's been looking for an excuse to get Stahl back in the lineup. And Here they gave is. up five goals against the Ottawa Senators. You're not going to have a better excuse than that. Gun, gun the to same your head. Time, don't even think about it. Who's coming out? Oh, it's Hayek, okay. I think. I agree. And here, But here's I'm going to say something you might see as controversial. Hmm, I'm ready for it. I, I think Hayek could use a night off or two. I think that's not controversial at all. Yeah. I, I think as well as the Rangers have looked, um, I, I think Hayek is he's he's hitting a bit of a wall. And sometimes when you're hitting the wall, again, this is this is something you and I have talked about at lengths, where hockey is the one sport it feels awfully weird that you feel the need for certain players to play all 82 games of a season. Meanwhile, uh, I the just, NBA I, has I think, like a load management thing. Baseball players get off all the time. It's, you know, we, 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 every time, all the time with the NHL, we're always talking about, oh, this person's sitting for the night. This is yeah. terrible. Well, how, how crazy, how crazy it is, is it for us on a nightly basis to bitch and moan that Cabo Caco isn't getting enough ice time. Meanwhile, the other team that plays at Madison Square Garden, guys are freaking out that RJ Barrett is getting too many minutes. Yeah, RJ played 41 this week, right? Was that correct? And uh, It was 41 against the Kings, a game in which the Knicks were never involved. In yeah, that, that is a little weird. Uh, but it, it's just, guys, it's not the end of the world. Plus, think of it this way. It's a back-to-back, right? You get stall in for Wednesday, a game against the Red Wings, a game the Rangers should win, regardless of who they have in the lineup on defense. Because the Red again, Wings they are beaten. terrible. They should have beaten the Senators, and they didn't, but that's not the point. But you, you put Stall in, you give Hayek the night off. Hayek comes back in the lineup for Carolina someone. Carolina right, Thursday, and, back. and that way, you know, don't play the kids on back-to-backs if they're struggling. It's that simple. I, think, I don't – It's Hayek not the end been, of the world for the – It just it, – it is – it does suck for Hayek because his best game of the season was on Saturday uh, versus Nashville. He definitely – Made some good defensive plays and also added to his offensive game uh, with a, with an assist uh, during that game. It was the most noticeable I've I've seen him since he started playing this year. But I think it's important for us to also mention Lindgren has been a surprise, a pleasant surprise. He's been really good. Yeah, I I did you think Lindgren would play up to this level right away? I know he's going to get exposed eventually, but 
uh, definitely a, a shock and a pleasant surprise for us uh, off the rip. Um, before we get, I get to Lindgren, I just want to rebut your Hayek statement. I think Hayek is kind of, in a way, like Brett Howden, where he looks active. 6'2", by he the way, look- in case you're wondering. Oh, it's 6'2 now. Yes. Was it Peugeot? Did you get his hat trick? Uh, Shade made a uh, – it was not Peugeot. It was, uh, it, you're never going to believe. You want to take a second guess? Brady Kachuk. And the domestic off. Oh, the re- Vlad Domestikov revenge game. Yeah. No way. Yeesh. Fuck fuck Brady Kachuk. T- We're going to get there. Chikuk. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's a fucking dick. But anyway, uh, Hayek. Yes. That was the guy I was talking about. Yeah, Hijack. He's, he's, a, he's interesting. Hijack is interesting because – He's super active all the time defensively, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily, which is fine. He's a young, energetic kid. I'm here for that. But I don't always think he's, I, I think sometimes his energy is miscast as doing a lot of things good defensively. Mm. So right? as, as being active, but uh, something I talked about this week is Panarin. Uh, I, I think I tweeted about it, like him being very deliberate and all his movements are very calculated so you're saying hijack is kind of the uh the opposite of that where he's showing a lot of energy and a lot of movement but a lot of the time it's sort of wasted right because you need to toe the line with energy sometimes because energy is good it's always good to be active in your own zone but that's energy can very quickly become erratic mm-hmm. and it could very quickly put you out of position again this isn't really a like a, a negative it's just i feel like sometimes we think hayek is doing things well defensively because he seems to always be moving and trying to cover his lanes. At the same time, I feel like by acknowledging that, we're also not acknowledging that it all started by him being out of position in certain situations. Um, I just think, like I said, it's not the end of the world if Hayek gets a night in the sky. I, I think sometimes it's beneficial for a player to take a step back, to rotate a guy in that you want to get in, even if that guy is Mark Stahl. It's fine. Um, to your point about Lindgren, I think, to put it nicely, we had considered Lindgren a B-level prospect, a guy, I think... I think that's already I, being Drew, very nice. If uh, Yeah, I, I think Drew Way can, can heat-check us if, if we're off base. Drew loves heat-checking he, us. Drew loves nothing more than dunking on both of us. especially. Sure does. I, I think when the Rangers acquired him in a trade with the Bruins, we were not really forecasting anything above third pairing defender more than likely seventh defenseman. I even think this, there were times in training camp this year where I said, if the Rangers want to keep Lindgren up to be the seventh D go for it, because that's probably his long-term outlook anyway. Uh, Not to say that again, it's been three games with Ryan Lindgren. And on top of that, I think it was like six games in Hartford. He played incredibly well in Hartford. He's played really well with the Rangers uh, the stock's trending upward. I think it's important for us to remember that he's just 21 too. Like he's, he's literally a kid. Maybe we're not far off in that. He's probably just a third pairing defender, but if, if Ryan Lindgren's on your third pair, it's not bad. It's actually pretty good. Like that. He's a, he might actually be a real piece. He, he not, not a, well, we have so many defensemen that it's like, it's very hard to see if he will be here for a very long time. Uh, well, that's the thing. He needs to take advantage of this now, right? Yes. Rykov hurt. Lundqvist is still in Europe. Miller is still in college. Like, this is it almost for Ryan Lindgren. If he doesn't make an impression now, and he is making one, 
But if he doesn't make an impression in the next 20, 30, 40 games, he's going to get lapped because that's how many D prospects the Rangers have. Hell, Joey Keane has five goals in Hartford already Jesus. this year. And I, I know I know that we're it, it's a bad habit to evaluate defensemen on point totals and all of that. But we already we knew Joey Keane was going to be an intriguing piece. So Joey Keane could be what the Rangers thought Neil Pionk was because Keane might actually be able to play a little defense. Though, again, it's worth mentioning that Neil Pionk somehow has been like the best defender on the Jets this year. That might actually say more about Neil Pionk than anything else, but it also might say something about how Lindy Ruff is a fucking train wreck as a defensive coach, but that's neither here nor there. You know what, though? Good for Neil. Good for Neil. Yeah, for real. Like, good for Neil. Yeah, good for Neil. I know it was tough for him, so. Yeah, to, to our point, though, right? The point here is Lindgren is being given an opportunity, and it is important for Lindgren, and to an extent it's important for Hayek as well, the guys who are on the very edges of the Rangers defensive bubble right now, they need to understand that if they don't play now, the opportunity might not be there for them to play later. And props props to Lindgren for taking advantage. He's been really good. He's been great with Adam Fox. It seems like that pairing makes a lot of sense because Lindgren is a guy more comfortable staying back, covering the defensive zone a little bit, while Fox my son is out here making passes and creating opportunities from the blue line to blue line. So that pairing, that pairing works a little like thunder and lightning. It's, it, it's been incredible. I don't want to see it broken up anytime soon. Um, at the same time though, maybe even if it's broken up, maybe, maybe the common denominator by Wednesday. Now that you've said this, well, I don't know. The, the common denominator might really be Adam Fox. Has there been a guy Adam Fox has played with this year? That's looked bad. I guess Hayek had a tough game to start the season, but outside of that, everyone out of everything Adam Fox touches right now is a goal. Fox is, and I think this was sort of his profile coming into the league, right? He's got has a very high floor, whereas like, or he's already sort of at his floor. He's already a great NHL prospect. It's really how much more can he develop? He's already well, NHL right. caliber. When- yeah, the, the Rangers were getting an NHL caliber defenseman when they acquired him. What we didn't know is, were they getting someone more in the mold of Tony D'Angelo, which it's all offense, no defense. But what it, what we... People aren't going to like this. They're not going to like it, Ryan. I'm going to say... <laughs> what are you doing? He's playing like a young Kevin Shattenkirk. Excuse me? Not not the Rangers version of Kevin Shattenkirk. No, the right? actual but version of Kevin. The Shattenkirk. actual young Kevin Shattenkirk that was a game-changing defenseman through his offensive game. Fox right now a little bit more responsible defensively than Fox, Shattenkirk was. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Fox is a much better defender than Shattenkirk was. I almost want the Rangers. I I don't know if now is the right time. That might be wrong. By again, what I said I'm just I. My perception is that Fox is definitely a better passer and a better defender than Shattenkirk was while well, lacking some offensive well, talent that Shattenkirk had. The, the New York Rangers version of Shattenkirk, yes. But I, again, I, it's very easy to forget that this is a multi-time all-star that played for the St. Louis Blues, Washington Capitals, and Colorado Avalanche. Like, we're forgetting that there was a career Kevin Shattenkirk had before the New York Rangers that was excellent by all standards. It's, it's easy to forget. It's like... 
<laughs> I'm going to do this a lot tonight. I'm just in that mood. Go it's for like it. forgetting that Jason Bay had a career oh, before he got to the I, Mets. I, I take it back. Don't go for it. Yes. Jason, Jason <laughs> no, but Bay. Jason Bay had a very long, successful career before he got to New York Mets, and then he cratered. And then four years. Kevin Shattenkirk had a long, very successful career with the New York Rangers, which is why when he signed for $6.5 million, we said that was a discount. Like, it, it's easy to pile on Kevin Shattenkirk. Now, I mean, it's not even easy to pile on Kevin Shattenkirk now because he's playing quite well with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it, it was easy to pile on Kevin Shattenkirk without remembering the fact that he was an incredibly good hockey player that we all thought was going to get north of $7 million and deserved $7 million on the free agent market. So, like, me comparing Adam Fox to Kevin Shattenkirk is not an insult to Adam Fox, nor is it an insult to Kevin Shattenkirk. Kevin Shattenkirk was great before he got to the Rangers, and we just need to remember that. Um, well, at the, the same time, we, I literally we were celebrating like it was it was an amazing moment when Shattenkirk signed with us. We we're like, he took a yeah. discount, unbelievable! This is great. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's like, gonna he's gonna yeah. play sixty minutes a night with McDonough. That's gonna be awesome. The two the two plus years Shattenkirk was here in New York, it tainted a lot of people's views of what he was defensively, but that it that goes. By doing so, you're forgetting that this was a guy that earned that contract, deserved that contract, and we were stunned that he accepted that contract when he came to the Rangers. Anyway, that was. this is not a podcast we need to be ranting about Kevin Shattenkirk and or his value pre-Rangers. Um, what I was saying is this is a year to take chances, right? This is a year – we understand, even as well as the Rangers played against the Lightning and the Predators, this is not probably a playoff team, as you can tell by the fact that they just gave up six goals to the Ottawa Senators. So if anything, this is the year we should be taking some chances. I am very curious to see if Adam Fox can swim on the penalty kill. He's, he's been successful on everything else we've asked him to do, right? He's been a force on the second power play unit. He's been great at five on five. He's played well with just about every defenseman the Rangers have put him with this year. This is an opportunity the Rangers have to try things that they normally wouldn't. Like if the Rangers were a playoff team, they would never ask their rookie defenseman who's having success to play on the penalty kill. But at the same time, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ryan, the Rangers don't have many penalty kill options. Well, one of them they is, have Truba. One of them is Brendan Smith. That's Right. One of them is Brendan Smith. Who's... Who, by the way, uh, was asked by MSG uh, today. So you're a forward and said, yes, I'm a forward now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Me too. I'm also a sports um, journalist, Brandon Smith. Thanks. But Truba, Smith, outside of them, I mean, I don't really – Lindgren should get time on the penalty kill right now too. But if Lindgren's getting time, then you should give Fox time. You should give Hayek time. Literally give all the kids time except Tony D'Angelo. We know exactly what Tony D'Angelo will do on the penalty kill, which is well, not a whole he, lot of he's, he's meant for the power play. That's what he's built for. Yeah, he's a winger. Uh, you should just be playing. You should be playing on the fucking right and wing. MSG asking the wrong defenseman if they're a winger or not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think this is the year, this is the time where the Rangers just need to roll the dice a little bit when it comes to, when a kid is playing well, right? It's the thing we've been crying about with Leas Anderson all year where he's been playing well in, in small minutes. So you're hoping for him to get more minutes. Adam Fox has been successful in every role the New York Rangers have played him in this year. I'm not saying he's going to be good on the penalty kill. What I am saying is now's the time to figure it out. Like, give him the chance. Isn't it funny Let how him, like what he can do? It's this year is about development, but yet there's so much. Now is the time to figure it out. Like with Lindgren, we haven't even talked about Heal yet, which is unbelievable. Um, 
Howden, Howden to see if he could sink or swim. What's going on with Elias Anderson? Can he get more ice time after impressing, supposedly impressing the coaches at, in, during the Nashville game? It's yeah, There's so many little tiny like microcosm storylines of this year, and all of them are incredibly time-sensitive, including having value for Strom and Brendan Smith. Yeah, yeah but it, development is time-sensitive. Like de- that's what you're expo- what what you're describing is exactly what the Rangers need to be doing because that is development, right? Yeah. We there's only so much you can do to develop Leas Anderson when he's getting less than ten minutes a night at five of e five. There's only so much you can do to develop Lindgren and Fox before other kids come up here and try and push around for playing time. And there's and those so kids much- have a bigger pedigree. Then well maybe well maybe 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 not in comparison to Fox. I think we don't got to worry about. I was going to say everyone but Fox in that case. I think Fox is a lock to be a one or as close to a lock as you can get to be a uh, a steadfast defender for the New York Rangers for a very long time. Yeah, but it's what what you're describing is development, and it's why we get so worked up and angry about it. It's why. Let let's jump right into the Filipino conversation right now. It's why when Fido comes up here. When Hito, when Hito comes up here and he's playing really well, you just have to keep feeding him an ice time. Just two because, incredible goals by Hito. Uh Playing at a level I didn't know he had. Were you aware that he could play at that high a level? Because I, yes. I, I knew he was that good. But to watch it just – he's been invisible sometimes on ice, and I feel like it's been over a year since I saw that level of Philip Hedl. The second half of last year, I feel like he didn't have that ability. And yet, coming back from the AHL, it looked like he regained all confidence. And I don't know if you saw this, but part of that regaining that confidence was watching a lot of film of Sidney Crosby without the puck, which is what was reported tonight. So I guess if you're going to base yourself after like a weasel uh, and try and be a pest, that's the best way to do it. But he's obviously been performing uh, with the puck also, so he had to get that somewhere else. I, To answer your first question, yes. Because this is the ceiling we've assumed Hedl has and quite honestly that we've seen in Hartford I just sometimes you're just not ready for the NHL right and it's not even a, a, again it, it's not a knock on Philip Hedl that he wasn't ready he was a teenager playing in a league of grown-ass men some of those men who have been in this league for years and have been dominating this league for years but Hedl Hedl has done everything and more that we could have asked for him to do in these first three games. I, everyone has kind of struggled against Ottawa with the exception of our sons, Cabo Caco oh, and Adam Fox and, and, and Panarin who Kako's looks. I, don't know. I wonder, what Panarin. do you think? What do you think? Of, what do you think a bad game looks like for Artemi Panarin? It's a great question. because I don't know what it is. The one time I really saw Panarin make a mistake, his stick broke. Like I, there was a, there was a moment tonight where the puck got away from him against two Ottawa, uh, players on the ice but other than that I don't know what a bad game looks like he's always so absolutely efficient in everything he does so I I he just plays mistake free hockey for the most part so I don't know what it would look like he'd probably get beat he's not an incredible defensive player but he has amazing hustle and puck handling ability and just seems to mostly control the puck when it's around him so I think what he maybe he got he gets beat defensively a few times I, I that's all I can really think so far but to our point about Filipino, which is how we got down that Artemi Panarin rabbit hole, um, it's exactly what we needed to see, right? This this was his, again, this, like Lindgren, 
this was Heedle's opportunity to say, hey, that second line center spot is mine, even when Mika's back. Put Strom on a wing, you'll be fine. He needed to step up and make big plays, and he stepped up and make big plays. Not that, again, this isn't to say that the Rangers can survive without Mika Zibanejad. They clearly can't because they're losing to the Ottawa Senators Just want to talk about this right now, that uh, the game's still happening. Six minutes, 56 seconds left. I know this is live podcasting. Everyone is trying to fight to Chuck. To Chuck. Everybody. Everybody. Because yeah, he's, a, bi- he's Le- a bitch. Lemieux just tried to fight I'm excited. I don't know. I don't know if the Athletic will ever let us do a podcast of Bitch or Nobis I again. I promise you they will not. Brady Kachuk, the the human definition of a bitch. Just look at his fucking face. He's a pest. It's, it's just so punchable. He is a pest. He really is. Just he's no, he's not a pest. He's a spoiled brat. I don't think he's a There's pest. There's a difference between a pest and a spoiled brat. No. Brendan Lemieux is a pest. No. Brendan Lemieux is a guy that gets under your skin, knows what to say in the right moment, knows the way to push your buttons in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Brady Kachuk is just a spoiled fucking little brat. Daddy was a very successful hockey player. His brother's making a lot of money in the league. So Brady Kachuk feels entitled the second he comes in to the league thinking he's hot shit when really he's a good hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but he's a spoiled brat. And someone someone is going to knock him down six pegs, and it's going to be a great day when that happens. I just – oh, wow. Just got an email from The Athletic. Good times. Um, I just – with with – I just think he is a pest. He reminds me a lot of uh, who's that guy on Montreal? Oh, uh, that was an absolute pest for oh, us for Brendan, so long. Brendan yes. Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher. Yes. No, but see, Brendan Gallagher, a legit pest. Again, I I do think there's a di- there's a difference between being an asshole and being a pest, right? Brady Brady Kachuk is the kid in high school who had all the nice stuff and all the nice toys because his parents made a lot of money. But that doesn't mean he's like a bully. It just means he's an idiot. Whereas, I don't know, dude. It's just, it's it's very, there is a difference. And I, I don't think I'm doing a good enough job to describe to you why the word pest is not one to use for Brady Kachuk. It's just like, he's just, oh, he's just so fucking like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's not a pest. Bryce Harper's an idiot. No, Bryce Harper, like this, to, like Bryce is not trying to fight anybody or really talk a lot of shit. What? What do you mean? Do you remember when he charged him out against Hunter Strickland? Uh, I guess that was a long time ago, wasn't it? That wasn't that long ago. That was like last year. Okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> You're not de- no, but uh, Brady Kachuk, it, he's a spoiled brat. I really, there's a big difference. And maybe it's just, be- you're an only child, right? Yeah, I am. I think it's a little easier to pinpoint spoiled brats when you're not an only child, when you've had other siblings and you've grown up in a household where you you get to see someone acting a certain way for extended period of times that other people out in public don't see. I'm sure my sisters have called me spoiled brats occasionally. I've definitely called them spoiled brats occasionally. I just feel like when you're an only child, you can't see it as well. But I trust me, there is a big difference between being an instigator, which is what you think Brady Kachuk is, and being a brat. And he's just a brat. Uh, speak- I would not... Speaking of which, no, 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 no. I was going to talk about uh, our, uh, and if you want to read more about The Athletic, because this, this is what oh, we're going to do. Go. We're going to do for The Athletic right now. Greg, if you could do me a quick favor before I read this. Could, oh, you, could, you, could you look up a Shana or a Rick article from the past week? Thank you. Oh, oh um, my. This week on The Athletic, we're doing a deep dive into all things NHL culture. Our local and national hockey writers have great stories on everything from the league's biggest wine snobs what what is that? Art collectors and trash talkers. So to to Chuck would be under the trash talker, I believe. 
um, to look at the diversity of hockey in hockey, the culture of the NHL nicknames and how players manage to, to practice and play while nursing a hangover, plus much more. I think that's, they're talking about the Capitals there. Uh, these stories will give you rare insights to the world of hockey and off the ice and are a must-read for NHL any NHL fans. And, of course, you can read stories such as what, Greg? Uh, Rick Carpinello did a deep dive on Georgiev trying to take the goalie crown for the Rangers for the time being. He also uh, retweeted good friend Shana Goldman's breakdown of trends and what we can learn from the Rangers' first month of hockey. Thank you, Gregory. And you could join The Athletic today by going to theathletic.com slash BSB. All lowercase, please. All right. That was a good. We have another ad read coming later. All right. Uh, where were we? Oh, sorry. We did to Chuck. We did Heedle. I think we did everything. We would like to go to questions. Um, is there anything we forgot? I mean, we did good news. You want to do, is, is there bad news? Do you have anything that, the, that the, sticks out the to you? The bad news is that Mark Stahl is coming back. I don't think it's the end all be all bad news. I think it was bound to happen no matter what happened at this point in time. I think Brett Howden has been rather invisible for the most part over the past week and a half. Uh, that has been not great. I still want Leas to get a, a bigger role on this team. That's, that's something we could talk about forever. Um, I think other than that, I've been pretty impressed with a lot of different players on the team. It, as good as those two games were against the Lightning and the Predators, I think you just kind of have to – I don't know what you chalk this Ottawa game up as. It, it, it was a sloppy away. game. I, I don't actually even blame Quinn. It was a, it was a, no, there's, it, look, you're going to play bad games occasionally. It was a bad game. The Rangers came out strong in the first 10 minutes, and then they just the, – the Senators got under their skin. The Rangers got off their game, and when they couldn't get back on track. Those two – the D'Angelo fight – and we, how many times do we hear the stupid? How many how many times do you get angry that you hear about, you know, oh, a good fight really gets a team energized, blah 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 blah. But then it's just like you have to consider that there's another team involved, and maybe they get energized from that fight in a different way. D'Angelo picked a fight. Lemieux picked a fight. That scrum in front of Georgiev was a freaking mess, and seemed to be the turning point of the game. The Senators got under the Rangers' skin. The Rangers got off their game, and the Rangers couldn't get back and fo- refocused. It's going to happen. It happens all the, not all the time, but it happens a couple times a year. It was disappointing. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this game sounds any alarms in my head, at least. I'm sort of on the fence about fighting more and more every day. I, I know it's a part of the game. I understand that. I uh, Listen. It, it obviously energizes the team at some point. But when I watched the Maroon fight with Tampa Bay and Maroon was just out of the game afterwards, I was like, oh, that's brutal, man. And uh, knowing all I know about concussions and, and head injuries, it's, it is tough sometimes. Like, I still think fighting has a place in hockey. I'm not ready to take it away from, ho- from hockey players or, uh, or the game in general. I'm not ready to ban it. I think it is part of the sport. But to watch something like that happen really feels not great. It, it definitely sent a, a pit. I had a pit in my stomach immediately afterwards for a little bit. That's it. I agree. All right. Uh, let's go over to our five-star questions of the week. And then we have some Twitter questions also. Before we do that, we have one more ad for you. Gentlemen, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or, sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor, who can prescribe you real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation of ongoing care for ED, 
all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash BSB and complete for an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com slash BSB to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, one more. Weekends are made for football. You guys know that. And with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Actually, now that I think about it with all the hoops and especially, guys, the hockey action going on this year, DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. Just this week, DraftKings is running a first touchdown scorer promotion. Just bet on the first touchdown scorer in any primetime pro football game and get a protect get protected with the, your wager back if they score at any point in the game. How's that for some insurance? And don't forget, the DraftKings Sportsbook app has in-game betting, so you can bet on the Rangers. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to do that? So you can get you can get on any game when it's happening. Any game, not just the Rangers. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code QUICK. That's right, QUICK. For a limited time, like that guy who beat us in the Stanley Cup, QUICK. That was, that was a low blow, sorry. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus for up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See details See details uh, for restrictions, etc. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show and answer some questions. That was a great ad. Okay, let's do the five-star questions. Now, remember... If I really liked how you read that ad. You loved it, right? That's what I thought. That was good. That was a good one. It was a good one, truly. Um, all right. So before we get five star questions, as always, you can go to iTunes, search Blue Shirts Breakaway, leave a five star question for us, and then we will uh, we will answer them on the show. Here's let's do the first one. This one's called Cock. I mean, C O K. Church Kako. How do I explain? This is from Chris Contos. How do I explain to my father and brother that Kako is 18 years old and it's okay for him to receive the puck, skate around four lightning players with the puck, then give the puck away in the offensive in the zone in the first period? Praise be. This is, I don't know if you remember that certain play from the Tampa Bay game. Uh, Kako pretty, pretty much got the puck and just held onto it for 25 seconds while skating in the offensive zone and then gave it a – it was a takeaway instead of a pass. It's a learning period for our our Lord and Savior, Kapo Kako, praise be. Um, and that was a moment where he was trying to do too much too soon. That was all. It was well, – It's you – know, you, know you know what that moment reminds me of? It's, it's the moment in all the um, – all the – I think it was Mighty Ducks too, where quack, quack, all these, quack, quack. <laughs> all these incredibly, it might've been even Mighty Ducks three when, uh, oh, it is. It's definitely the third one where they think they're hot shit. And then they start playing the varsity team and they quickly realize, oh damn, other people know how to play hockey as well as we do. And the things that used to work against inferior competition, no longer work against guys who are extremely talented and in the NHL. So that's I think the thing that people get angry about when David Quinn says stuff along the lines of the things that worked for Kako aren't going to work anymore. They freak out and panic because it sounds like David Quinn is trying to get Kapokako to change how he plays hockey. And he's not David Quinn is trying to get Kapokako to understand that something that worked for him in Liga isn't going to work in the NHL. 
because instead of him going up against the 12th best player on Switzerland's national team, he's going up against Braden Point. And it's just different and it won't be as successful or as successful as often. So it's it's one of those things where the kid knows he's talented. He's 18. He's trying to replicate that level of success that he's had in the past. And again, we should mention, as bad as the Rangers looked against Ottawa, Kako played one of his better games as a Ranger. Absolutely did. Um, it's just, it's a learning process for him to realize that he needs to take his game to where his game is right now is an extraordinarily high level. But in order for him to be the player that we hope him to be, there's another another level he has to get to. And it's when, it's it's a term you and I have used on this this podcast before. It's a course correction, right? The league is is making a course correction to Kapo Kako. How successful Kako will be in the NHL is how he course corrects to that correction. And it, it's going to be a process. It's one that is, it's not going to be as clear in the first 15, 20 games of the season. But by January, February, we're going to have a better idea about that next step that Kako is taking. I actually have a personal story to relate to this. Um, you may know this. I, when, I, when I was younger, was quite good at a video game called Street Fighter. Now, you? I was. I was quite good. Um, and in my local scene, I was one of the best. I remember going to certain high school tournaments, stuff like that, and I would never really lose. And then I met professional players. And let me tell you what a humbling experience that was. It was like you beat everyone you've ever played against with ease. Uh, there's no online play, so you're not getting destroyed by people back then that are actually really good. So you were just only playing in person. And then I met people that were professionally, like, they were the top of the the United States players. And I did not win a single game for 30 games in a row. And it was one of the most depressing days of my life. So Kako, obviously way better than I was at Street Fighter, uh, is, is able to adjust and take that next step in the NHL. But it's going to take him just a little bit of time. That's all. Um, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Someone, uh, <laughs> oh, the, it, a little sidebar before we get to the next that's question. That's fine. We're, we're a podcast of sidebars. It's just over the weekend when the Jaguars were playing in London and they brought all their dumb traditions to London and to pretend like it was a home game. It's something I've brought up to our friends before. There's no chant dumber in sports than Jaguar fans chanting Duval for Duval County. Just this because this that's actually is a huge sidebar. Okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's the county their team plays in, and they're so proud to be in Duval County that they chanted at a football game. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I tweeted about it this weekend while watching the game, and some guy decided to pop on into our mentions today and be like, well, actually, Jacksonville, Duval County, we're, we're so proud of how beautiful it is. Jacksonville's a fucking shithole. Okay. Right. Well, and now, if you want to compare, if, if you want to compare it to other places in the South, it ain't very nice, dude. Hold on. If we're talking about total sidebars and shit, hold yeah, on before we me. continue here. Oh, Sacramento! I went to Sacramento this weekend, <laughs> and I have to be honest with you. Can you? All right. So I, I've been to California a few times, not to brag, but I've been to, I've been to LA. wasn't the best. It's okay. I'm sure some people love it. I've never been to San Fran, but Sacramento, I, I would believe, is the fourth biggest city in California. I, I could be wrong. Name three bigger cities. Oakland, okay, San Francisco, L.A. Cool. We did that. San Diego, you can make a case. Oh, uh, fun. You want to know a fun uh, fun trivia fact? Yeah, I, I do. Um, Sacramento is one of, I think, eight capitals in the United States that is not one of the five biggest cities in the state. Really? Yeah. That I, is a I, fun I, trivia the, fact. 
Yeah, it was and a I trivia question. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a trivia question one night um, at at you wouldn't believe this, but at trivia. That's what? where the question was. Gregory. And uh and yeah, no, uh I got that one right because it's yeah, think about it, dude. San Francisco's bigger, Los Angeles is bigger, San Jose is bigger, uh two other cities that I'm not so, currently thinking of right. are also bigger. I, anyway, your point. I landed in Sacramento on Halloween. And usually Halloween, stick with me, Greg, pretty big party night for cities, right? We pretty get, pretty decent. Yep. Get out. The hotel guy has this crazy greeter, runs right up to us. He's trying to open the door and hold our hands and, like, carry all our bags. And, uh, you know, we're like, hey, what's going on for Halloween tonight? He's like, actually, Sacramento's kind of a ghost town on Halloween. Most people leave. And I was like, that can't be true. I went out in downtown Sacramento on Halloween. There was legit seven people. I can't even make this up. It was one of the creepiest experiences of my life. I was constantly attacked by people without homes. Uh, not attacked, but they were, like, coming from the bushes at all points of times. Sacramento was one of the eeriest places I've ever visited, ever, period. End of story. Just a ghost city that it, that feels incredible. And there's so – Gregory, I've never met a, a city that has as many mannequins as Sacramento has. There is a mannequin in every window. Just – it's like they – it's like a simulation. It's like they're creating the fake people. Don't go to Sacramento. And if you actually have something nice to say about Sacramento, please tell me. Because I am so confused. I've never been to a city and been that weirded out. I've been to Europe alone. I've been to Germany alone. I've never, I've never had a, had a more mystifying, crazy experience than in Sacramento. It was not great. All right. Anyway, let's get back to it, shall we? Anywho. All right. Sidebar over. Uh, it, this is from, <laughs> hey, boys. Mike in New Haven here. Hey, Mike, what is up? Chris Kreider's most recent cold streak got me thinking. Is he the modern day Alexei Kovalev? Yes, Kovalev is a bit different since he got a he was a big contributor to the '94 Cup. Yeah, he was. But there's all there was always questions about his motor and if he could achieve more. It really wasn't until he went to Pittsburgh, Montreal, that he played the truly elite level. In looking at Chris through the years, would it be fair that we're witnessing the same exact thing? And would a change of scenery unlock that next year he hasn't quite reached yet, like it did with Kovalev? I'm gonna say no. Um, here's why. First, I I think it's worth mentioning we didn't talk we didn't mention Chris Kreider's name at all in this podcast up until this point, which for him is a big step in the right direction. He played better against the lightning. Uh, we mentioned that the play he had leading up to the Adam Fox goal is exactly quintessential Chris Kreider that we like. I thought he played pretty well against the predators as well. Um, like the entire team regressed against the senators. So it's hard to really mention anything there. I don't think there's another level for Chris Kreider to unlock. I don't think, what we're seeing from Chris Kreider this year is just poor straight across the board. I don't, I, I think we've seen Chris Kreider at his peaks. I, I, I think maybe if he leaves New York, he's able to sustain those peaks for longer. I just think Chris Kreider is the very, I, all hockey players are streaky, but I think Chris Kreider is the very definition of a streaky hockey player where he, he finds success. He does it every year. He goes on hot runs and then something happens at the tail end of that run that seems to get him in a funk. And then he continues to exacerbate that funk by putting in almost too much effort. The, Chris Kreider, God bless him, only knows one speed and it's full tilt. And sometimes there needs to be a little bit more finesse in his game in order for him to scale back and refine the things that make him successful. He's, he's, he's been bad to start the year, but the last couple of games have been encouraging. And I don't know. I, 
I, I, a guy like Kovalev was not, I don't know if underappreciated is the right term. Misused might not be the right term. He was a guy that needed a different system to thrive. I think Chris Kreider thrives in the system the New York Rangers play in. He's just he just hasn't been good this year until the last couple the last week. I don't think he's Kovalev level, level. I don't think he ever hits that elite talent version of Kovalev. I don't I don't Kovalev. think so. I think Kreider is he's not even like a good second banana. He's more of the really really good sixth man. Like that's the kind of guy you want Chris Kreider. He's to like be. an elite you don't sixth wanna, man. Yeah, you you don't want you don't want to lean on him to be your the source of your offense. But you want him to give your second unit a spark. Agree and I think that I think that's the kind of guy Chris Kreider. There's nothing wrong with being that guy. A lot of guys have made a lot of money and have won titles being that guy. Um, kind of like Kevin Hayes, where when Chris Kreider gets traded at this year's trade deadline, he's not going to go to a team and play on the first line. I don't think anyone is acquiring Chris Kreider to be a top line winger. No, They're he's, acquiring he's Chris the Kreider push you to, over, the, over the line to make you an elite team. Well, he, he's the guy you get that deepens your lineup in a way where if someone in your top line does get hurt, you're not left empty-handed. Got it. Next question. This is from Matt Heron uh, from Canada. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. I know Joining the Athletic is a little old, but congrats regardless. Thank you, Matthew. On my fi- to my five-star question. What are your thoughts on Adam Fox? I've heard you guys praise him. <laughs> I've heard you guys praise him before, and I wanted to see what your exact thoughts on his play were so far. Has he impressed you guys in terms of his defensive and offensive talent? Or have you found him a little underwhelming in such areas such as offensive production? Cheers from Canada's West Coast and praise be to our Lord and Savior, Capo Caco. Thanks, Matt. Um, I think we talked pretty extensively about uh, about Fox earlier and how we feel about him. Uh, I, I'll just I'll keep repeating this. The way Adam Fox has played to start this year for the New York Rangers is both unexpected and maybe the best development the Rangers have had throughout the course of the entire season. Even when the Rangers were at their worst during that five-game losing streak, Adam Fox has played not just like an NHL defenseman that we wanted him to be. He has exceeded expectations, and that needs to be repeated and put out on blast. He's been probably the the top three Rangers this year, Artemi Panarin, fully healthy Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox. I don't think there's a... As good as Ryan Strom has been, I, I'd still put Adam Fox ahead of Strom. I think Strom was pretty close, and I think uh, Kako had a, a definitely a rough first 10 games, so he's definitely not there yet, but he is headed that way. That's where I'm going. Um, I guess you could make a case for Tony D'Angelo, but you hate his defense, so I understand. No, you can't. No, it's not. Again, <laughs> this isn't. My criticism of D'Angelo doesn't come from a place of hate, right? Like I, Tony D'Angelo, the human being, is a completely different conversation. We're not talking I about Tony hate- as a human being at all. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But it's just like this is this is part of a this is a bad conversation to have. Criticizing a player is not hating a player. It's just being honest. I, like, little, I literally gotta, said hate his defense. That's what I said. It's, I don't even. It's not again hate. I don't have an opinion about his defense. I'm just telling you how he plays defense. Like th- that's part of the, that. That's a struggle, and I, I think it's important that we have it. I'm not being critical of Tony Daniels, a defensive player. I'm saying. Tony D'Angelo hasn't played defense. That's a very different – it's not an opinion. It's a fact. He's bad defensively. That is not my take. My take is not that I think Tony D'Angelo is bad defensively. My take is I don't think Tony D'Angelo's offensive game makes up for his bad defense. That's, That's the take. 
he's the fact that D'Angelo, it's that's just it. It's a fact that Tony D'Angelo is bad defensively. I'm not making things up. I am not presenting an opinion. I'm not telling you something that I just feel. Every number you want to look at indicates that Tony D'Angelo is not an effective defensive player. It, that that's it. So it's it's not it's not that I think anything. It's I, I'm just telling you what it is. So it's it's just one of those things where like the the opinion on Tony D'Angelo comes from. Does the offense make up for his defense? I think it's pretty emphatically no. But at the end of the day, if you want to just cut the bullshit out of it, Tony D'Angelo is just not good defensively. That is not me providing an opinion. We've been over this. Uh, last I, question. But, you, but you're going to make that comment. I'm going to defend myself. It's you're, not even defending myself. It's just a reminder. I understand. I'm not attacking you. It was not an attack. I took it as an attack. It sounded like an attack. It was not one. I am on three hours sleep. I could not attack you if I tried. Um, last five-star question. Then we got some Twitter ones before we get out of here. And then I'll obviously want to let you talk about Beltron for a minute. Um, oh, I got a lot of thoughts. Yeah, I know. Um, this one's from uh, Tog9999. It's, it's from about Niels Lundqvist. How would do you rate the future Niels? Niles, no, oh, my God. Niles. Jeez, what's happening? Niels Lundqvist. And how close are you following? Yeah, a stroke. Yeah, I, I am a little bit. Is my arm supposed to be tingling like this? How close are you to following his progress? He said, effing superb podcast, by the way. It's from T. Johansson Sweet. Hey, thanks for writing in. Appreciate it. Um, haven't been following Niels too closely, but from what we have heard, he's been playing like a number one defenseman. People talk about him all the time on Twitter and saying he's been tremendous so far uh, in the league he's playing in this year. So I, I'm really curious to see how he progresses the rest of the year, but I haven't been following him every single year like I have my my Lord and Savior. Uh, this is a perfect time to plug AJ Ranger. He is your guy for any Ranger playing in Europe. Um, he, I don't know how he finds the time of the day to watch as much and to clip as many as the games that he does. His work is invaluable. His insights are invaluable. One day when we can work it out where he doesn't have to stay up late or we don't have to wake up early to have him on the podcast, I'd love to have him on the pod. Um, he He's marvelous. And straight, simply put, the way Lundquist is, and Mitch Brown said this on our pod, we should yes, say, yes, the way Lundquist has been playing this year in Europe is both encouraging and significantly different from how he had been playing up to this point, which is a good thing because it indicates that his game is taking another step forward that even some of his biggest fans weren't entirely prepared for. Um, I think what Lundqvist is doing in the Swedish league is probably outside of Adam Fox's play currently in the NHL, the and even Joey Keane's play in Hartford, it's probably the most encouraging development for the Rangers' long-term success on the blue line. It's look, he's he's the forgotten piece of the Ryan McDonough trade, right? He's the piece everyone likes to focus on Howden and Hayek because they're the guys we can physically see on a nightly basis. But the Rangers use that third third first round pick on Lundqvist and they've just been letting him cook in Sweden ever since then. And he's slowly gotten better. His game's taken another big step this year. I think if you want to be excited about a Ranger prospect, that isn't Keandre Miller or Kravtsov, it, it's Lundqvist and it's not even close. We're going to do uh, after this one question, uh, I'm going to sort of combine some questions from Twitter. We're going to do speed around after that. And so we can right. uh, get out of here, but I, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this and I'm going to butcher his name. Of course, as you probably know, Paul Yarvey. I'm 
Oh, oh yeah, we need to talk about that. Yeah, so we had some people ask us pretty much like, what would you give up for uh, Paul Yarvey? Uh, Raph Simons asked, how about Ryan Strom? What do you think the Rangers could could give up to get Paul Yarvey? What would the package look like? That's from Daniel. We had a couple people ask that, and I think it's something we definitely have to talk about. Probably something we should have talked about 30 minutes ago, but here we are. Um, That's fine. Well, better we can focus on it now. Well, we will talk um, about it again, uh, definitely after today. But let's let's hit on a quick route right now. Um, well, I, it's it's one of those. It's a complicated. It's a complicated thing, right? Because we're dealing is. with a team like the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. where they're not just. Poyarvi is very different from the Rangers acquiring Ryan Strom, where Strom had league years under his belt. We are familiar with what he's capable of with Poyarvi. It really is, I think, the best thing to compare it to. Imagine what happened this year with Kravtsov, except that it's been happening for three years now. Exactly. And we're not going to be the only suitors at all. They're going to take the best offer. I don't think you can get this offer done with just Strom. I think that's a little crazy. Well, um, first of all, the, the Oilers are not going to retrade for Strom. If you want to talk, <laughs> there, there are two... <laughs> There are two ways. There are two ways. There are two ways to talk about a Poyarvi trade. I think. Can I guess what the Um, first one is? Go for it. Was it Leah Anderson? Well, that's that's the thing, though. I don't know how. In theory, it's a pretty. I think it's it's an interesting trade. I I think both trades accomplish a long term need while also addressing a short term issue. Um, again, we, we are very much in the camp of Leas Anderson greater than Brett Howden. I don't think I, I personally, again, maybe, maybe this is Gorton's way of pulling Jedi mind tricks and he can do it for Howden He's quite good at it because he can make, he can make the case that Howden's been playing top nine minutes as a 21 year old and just peonk his way into Jesse Poyarvi. But if we wanted to talk from a more rational position, um, the, the Oilers have needs down the middle. I think the Rangers, I can just daydream of like a Poyarvi, Heedle, Kako line, and it's just great for Yikes. like the next the next decade. Because um, here's, th- here's the thing. Poyarvi hasn't really been given an opportunity to, to succeed in Edmonton, and there, there are a variety of reasons for that, none of which is ability. I, I think it's pretty clear that he has the ability. He is producing once again – over in Europe to indicate that he's too good at his young of age for that league, much like Kako was last year. So it's, it's not like the Rangers are trading for damaged goods. Poyarvi is still incredibly good. Even if he hasn't produced like other players in his draft, the, the straight up trade for Elias Anderson is interesting. I'm not 100% sure why the Oilers would do it. Honestly, this is, as crazy as it sounds, I'd probably trade Chris Kreider straight up for Jesse Poyarvi. Is that crazy? I don't think so because and it it it's it's giving gonna, away. This is gonna, what I'm gonna what, this is gonna hurt my heart a little bit because this is where I saw it and I agreed with it. Um, Oof. Kind of sort of friend of the podcast, Stat, Stat Boy Steven said, if you think about it from the perspective of you're not trading Chris Kreider for Jesse Poyarvi, you're trading four months of Chris Kreider for four years of Poyarvi, it's a lot easier to digest. And it's a damn good point. If you get past the, what are the Rangers? What, what, what is, 
where we sit today, the best case scenario trade for Chris Kreider in our minds is probably a first round pick and a B to C level prospect, right? right let's answer that is, let's answer another question while we're doing this. This is from Matt Jackson. Sure. What do you think the sure. most we can get for Kreider, Strom, and Georgiev? Is it a first and two seconds too much for that? We're probably not sending them as a package. They're probably all go, go, going different places. So yeah. I think the the dream, Matt, and thanks for asking. I appreciate it. And Matt also, by the way, Matt Jackson makes a bunch of uh, – he made the Capacaco Praise Beat gift. Thank, thanks so much, Matt. Um, oh, yeah, right? Uh, I want to give him some credit. Is is the first in two, in two seconds too much for that? I think that's the dream. Like getting a second for Georgiev, getting a second for Strom, getting a first for Kreider, that's what you want to happen, right? Like that's the optimal return. Sure, or, but or, or what, what I was what, what I was getting at with Kreider for Poyarvi straight up. Think of it this way: if Jesse Poyarvi for some reason were to re-enter the NHL draft, he is slam dunk bar none top ten NHL draft pick talent. That was that was the case when they drafted him. That's the case today. When you're trading Chris Kreider, you're trading him essentially for a late first round pick. Best case scenario is basically the Winnipeg pick we got last year, which was 20th overall. While you can find a Philip Hedl and uh, Ely Tolvanen at that point in the draft, you are putting a lot of faith in your scouting system to uncover those players. And you are, also luck, which is what it takes in the draft. Right. You're working against the percentages, right? Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's always good to have more bullets because the more bullets you have, the more likely you are to actually hit the target at the same time, the best case scenario player you could get with the draft pick you trade Chris Kreider for in all likelihood does not have the ceiling that Jesse Poyarvi has. And it's easy to forget how skilled and talented Poyarvi is because the Oilers have been jerking him around for three years. They've been, they've been, (laughs) yep, yep, yep. They've been scratching him. On nights, they've been putting him down in the AHL. I, I'm just, I'm going, I'm going further and further. They it's, put a, it's easy. They're tugging his leash. They're tying it's, him up. It's, there. <laughs> they're, they're putting a gag in his mouth. Yeah, uh, it is, it is easy to forget Golden. about how talented Jesse Poyarvi is because the Edmonton Oilers did everything in their power to suppress that talent. They really did. So it's it it sounds crazy to say trading Chris Kreider for Jesse Poyarvi straight up. At the same time, the Oilers fancy themselves competitors. They fancy themselves cup contenders. They need as many guys as humanly possible to play with Connor McDavid. It it makes sense. I I I personally would rather have Jesse Poyarvi than the 25th overall pick in next year's first round. I agree. I don't think that's a hot I take. I don't think this is hot at all. You were coming from a guy that I was mad that we didn't trade. Uh, oh my god, I'm so tired. Florida traded for him. Eric Stahl. God damn. There you it. go. Not Eric Stahl. Another one. He was here. Defenseman. Another one from Florida. No. Keith Yandel. Yep, Yandel. That we didn't trade Yandel. Yeah. I was livid about that for many years. Uh, You're still livid about it. So livid about it. You forgot his name. Yeah, I'm very tired. All right, uh, speed round uh, for these next well, questions. To, well, to to correct his his second point, um, just two things you got to remember, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 it would be great to get a second round pick for Ryan Strom, but we live in a league now where Matt Zuccarello essentially got a second and a third, even though there were conditions on that that could have made it more. So Gustav Nyquist, a guy I think is better than Ryan Strom, only got a pair of second round picks. It's very likely that Ryan Strom 
gets you a, a third round pick with a condition that it could become a second. And I think we need to be okay with that because again, you can find good players in the third round guy by the name of Joey Keene, third round, 88th overall pick pick. We got in a Nick Holden trade there. There's talent to be found in the third round. And for Georgiev, we all just got to remember that for whatever reason, the prices for goalies on the open market is fucking weird. Always it, weird, it's, man. It's really weird. So a third round pick for Georgiev, it seems low considering how young he is, considering how cheap he is right now, and considering how good he's played when the Rangers have given him run. I, I think if the Rangers got Jesse Poyarvi and two third round picks for Ryan Strom, Chris Kreider, and Alex uh, Georgiev, I think that's where you start. That was really weird and if for they me. Do, I was like, who is Alex Georgia? Oh. <laughs> and if 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 they do better than that in those trades, then they've 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 exceeded expectations. I, I, I think it's unfair to expect them to get a first and two seconds for those three guys. But if you start at a first round talent and two thirds and work your way up from there, then I think that's that's the fair baseline to go with. Uh where did the speed round for this? This is from our our, our good friend Eric Dag. Uh, choose an aisle in the grocery store that would allow you to survive on a desert island the longest, et cetera. Examples are cereal aisle, baking aisle, et cetera. Isn't this just the canned uh, bean aisle? No, fuck that. What are you talking about? Give me the bread aisle. Survive oh, on a use... desert island the longest? The cans uh, so are going to keep us alive. <laughs> I, so we're doing it from the, the this food doesn't miraculously one stay good forever and to get replenished all the time miraculously. Eric, do me a favor. Re-ask the question. We'll talk about it again at length next week. You know what? Fuck it. I'm still going bread out because you're dying on that island anyway. You might as well die happy. That's true. Uh, this is from Benjamin Waters, and I'm just naming some Patreon supporters now. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, you know how to do it. Um, Benjamin Waters says, how's Meg, Greg? She's good, I think. That's good. Um, she's doing okay. It was uh, she, She's okay. Okay, that's good. <laughs> we haven't snapped each other in a while. I hate to see it. Lou asks, you can only listen to one artist slash band for the rest of your life. Who is it? Straight from the path? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Available now. Uh, yeah, Apple, hey, Eternal Atomic, Internal Atomics. There it is. It's out there. It's fire. It kind of looks like our Copacaco sticker. It and does I like a it. little bit. I, it, their album cover was out before our sticker. Oh, I think, if anything, I'm we need not, a cop to copying them. I'm definitely not saying that. If I came up uh, the see this is like that dating app question that people ask me it's like oh what kind of music do you listen to it's like i suck with music yeah um i listen i basically the only music i've listened to the last couple months have just been the soundtracks from the guardians of galaxy movies because those songs slap honestly that has to be played at every wedding forever it's just a what what an amazing album uh Uh, i'd probably i'd probably just go red hot chili peppers because they're the only band that i would ever consider my favorite band my favorite band of all time is now part of cancel culture and that is the band brand new so i will choose the beatles instead because it's just so easy and a cop-out you know what was a decent have you did you see um yesterday oh the movie no i missed it yeah it was was decent all right yeah it was it was interesting i mean it it's for it's it's not a movie i think everyone needs to let me put it this way across the universe is terrible the Beatles, the Beatles movie. Yeah. Uh, yesterday is a good take on, on like how can we just make a, a movie, movie about the Beatles without like making it any, that that uh, like deep. Two more. And that's what yet yeah, it was really good. Two more, and I'm apologizing. So go see that movie. I'm apologizing to Ivan because we're not answering your questions today, and I I will get to it next week. Well, uh, now I want to know. Now I want to answer uh, Ivan's question. We're gonna be around for another ten minutes if we ask this question, and I'm very so tired. I, it's I still have ten to minutes. End it. Okay, here we go. Oh, all right, fine. 
Well, well, we're doing it now. We've talked about it. Ivan asks, and Ivan's yeah. uh, been a supporter of the podcast for a while. Um, with Heedle coming back and tearing it up, what are your expectations from this season? Do you think Kraftstoff is coming back after the trade deadline? And also, and this is what's going to last us the next 10 minutes, who gets sent out if Mika comes back? Is it Leas? Thanks, guys. I don't think anyone gets sent down if when Mika comes I think, back. Yeah, I just I think th- Stroh moves off, moves off of center. And I think... You think Strom actually moves off center for for once? I think. See, I think. Yeah, we're forgetting that Michael Haley still plays every night for the New York Rangers. Oh, Greg McKeg. That's correct. I I I think Haley just stops playing. Strom moves to a wing, and your four centers are Mika Hedl, Howden, Lees. I hope that happens. Um, I think Um, I do think Kravtsov comes back after the trade deadline, and I I am in love with Philip Hedl. That was the fast way to do that. Um, Yeah, I I think Hedl. Like I'm not expecting. I'm expecting Hedl to produce, but more importantly, I'm expecting Hedl to just play well enough to keep a spot in the top six for the rest of the year. What would the theme of your sweet 16 be? This is from Tom. Oh boy. The Mets. Does it have to be? uh, No, hold on. Is it, (laughs) is it, what is six, what would 16 year old Greg's theme be? Or what would 30 year old Greg's sweet 16 theme be? I think it's 16 year old. I think, right. Shit. What was, what was, can I just, let's just do the, the, let's do the 30. What would it be? The 30? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just open bar. That would be my theme. Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a burritos open bar is... and some climbing. Uh, it's like a climb wall. That'd be, that's what I want to do. Um, uh, drugs. That would be my, Last uh, question. Uh, this uh, is from... This yeah, is I don't from... know. I, 16-year-old Greg would probably... The, the easy answer is just Mets because he was just a fucking it. loser. Uh, ah, fuck you. I said we, we suck. Relax. I'm not attacking uh-huh. you. Stop caking I still... I, I, look, I'm very sensitive. I know. <laughs> Don't do that. Last one. Are the Rangers yeah. doing the same thing th- with Strom that they did with Neil Pionk last season? That's from Patriot Sucks 19. Yes, they are Patriot Sucks 19. Thank you for realizing it. All right. Um, let's Another. thank our Patreon subscribers. Uh, these are the big dogs. Brian Doyle, Tori from Manhattan, Thomas O'Neill, Eric Stagg, Ben Weber, and, of course, Ben Waters, who have always been there for us throughout all the years. We appreciate you guys so much. If you, had, uh, if you did uh, become a supporter of that tier level, we will be – um, sending out your video to you very soon of me uh, praising you for uh, supporting us and such like that. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, you can do that t- right now. We're sending out some cool stickers. Some really cool stickers. If you want to do that, you can mm-hmm. go to patreon.com slash breakaway. Get our wow, it's a nice city copo caco sticker. All right, anything else I missed, Gregory, before I go edit for eternity? Uh, just two notes. Uh, Shayna, as she always does, posted the Rangers XG differential on 5v5. Mm-hmm. The entire team was below zero tonight. Mm. Uh, Tony D'Angelo and Brady Shea, the worst two. Chris Kreider, third worst. Ryan Lindgren, the closest to zero, but also still a negative. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah, Carlos Beltran, that's fun. I'm happy. I don't really have super deep thoughts. I think we'll have a lot of time to talk about those things. Yeah, I, I'm not in a rush to. I, it's just refreshing that one, the Mets hired the guy, wanted him to hire. Uh, two, Beltran's just a smart fucker. Like at at the end of the day, and I know that's my saying, so I have to say it at it least is. once a podcast. Catchphrase. I get that he's a first time manager, but sometimes guys just take the smartest fucking guy. All right. And if he's gonna, if his relationship with the front office is gonna be so the front office trusts him more than they did Mickey Calloway, that's a good fucking thing too. Like it, that's not a bad thing to ask for collaboration I've, with I've, your front office. I have one question. This yeah, is literally me. my only question about the Mets this offseason. Perce- sure. Percentage chance Mookie Betts is a Met in the next five years? 
negative six percent. What the hell are the Mets going to do? What are they going to offer? I, I, well, he's going to be, he might be traded and become a free agent. That's what I'm saying. I just, I, I don't see you. I don't, one, I don't see a way the Mets trade for him. Two, I don't see a way the Mets ever spend enough money to sign him. And three, if the Mets did trade for him, I know that Haim Bloom is a lot smarter than Brody Van Wagenen, so I don't even want to trade for him. That's a good point. As don't, crazy as that don't, sounds, don't trade with Haim Bloom. Yeah, he'll just he'll just you rob will, you blind. You will lose. I've watched the race. He'll, yeah, he'll rob you blind. Yeah, he will. All right, Chris Archer, example one. All right, we're out of here. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Ryan Mead. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We will be back next week or well, later this week on the Athletic for our preview, probably after the. Game on Wednesday night. Who knows? All right, follow us there. Love you guys. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.